What up, what up, film fans? This is Beer Bourbon and a Movie. I'm Tawana. And I'm Sergio, also known as Vaughn. Sure. And we're two filmmaking cinephiles dedicated to the art of film, the taste of a good beverage, and everything in between. We're glad you're back, people. So grab a seat, film fans, beer drinkers, and bourbon lovers alike. This is episode 84. 84. This episode, we'll be reviewing Barbie. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. And Oppenheimer. We imagine a future. And our imaginings horrify us. The two biggest movies of the summer. Otherwise known as Barbieheimer. Barbieheimer. So, Tawana, welcome back, girl. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. <laughs> Summer is winding down, but we could not let the summer pass without talking about the two biggest right. movies in Hollywood right now. Right. And, and we've been enjoying the summer. So yeah, we, it's we've, been a good We've summer. been about one episode a month. Sorry, guys. But, yeah. you know, summer's happening. Summer's happening, and you're enjoying it, too. So. Yes. So, you know, but we had to give our POV <laughs> on these two movies. And, of course, um, of course. You know, like I said, we're glad to be back, and we're drinking some really cool things today. What are you yes. having, Tawana? I'm switching it up. All right now. Yeah. We've been talking about it. And we've been talking about it. <laughs> All right. Tell and us. we've been talking about it. All and right. then finally, I have not deserted you, beer fans. But for a second, I just wanted to try something new. Okay. So Do what it. I'm trying and what I'm actually loving right now, first of all, this is Vaughn's fault because he turned me into a, a, a bourbon lover. Mm-hmm. You know, by proxy, just by association. And I certainly tried my own bourbons and found my own recipes that I love yep. and my own styles and they differ from Vaughn sometimes so I'm not following him you know it's my own ideals mm-hmm. and so um, we found this interesting new product it's been out for I think since winter I think or, uh, yeah. Early, yeah. early summer right early summer it's by Bullet which we've reviewed before Right. Um, and you know it's one of my favorites. Right, which is a Kentucky-rooted, you know, um, bourbon. And so what better thing to have when having bourbon than cocktails, right? So not everybody wants a neat drink, and not everybody wants it just on the rocks. Someone like Some people like a little flavor, um, a little blend, a little mix-up. Cocktails are always fun, right? And so they created... Their own cocktails out of their own bourbon, and they have two. One is in Manhattan, and the other one is an old-fashioned cocktail. They come in 375 and 750 milliliters, and they're fairly reasonable. Even at the cost, they used to be 15, and now it looks like they're 16.99. But it's so much cheaper than buying all the ingredients. You literally just need to enjoy this straight over ice. Right. Or straight up. Or straight up. Or you can bitch it out sometimes and throw a little cola. I'm sorry. I was kidding. You're not a bitch. If you like it a little softer, it's fine. I too like it that way. Yes, you do. I'll give you some, I'll give you some of my tips later, but I'll throw in some other little yeah. pre-mixes and, you know, it's fun. And, you know, I often, when, when we buy these uh, pre-mixed cocktails, I often, you know, spice it spice up a little bit up. with this a little bit more. One you but did. This one you could actually do, do it by itself. 
and it's it's really tasty. This one is really tasty. Honestly, if you're having a little thing at the house, you buy one of these. I prefer, if you're going to have a little thing, get like a seven milliliter yeah, because you need a bigger one. this 16, the three seven, I'm sorry, the 375 milliliter adds up being like something like 16 ounces. Yep. But you really need two ounces a drink. Yep. And if you're a little, little light on this, you know, you're not real big on alcohol, you know, an ounce will do you. Right. Um, and what I do is I throw in a cherry because it already comes with um with orange bitters. Mm-hmm. It always comes with orange bitters. Usually, um this old fashioned cocktail, which is Kentucky rooted, like I said, has like has like these notes of cherry and orange. So right. their and, thing and is And all an old fashioned is is bourbon bitters. Yeah. And you know, the orange essence the orange essence um orange bitters and like a cherry note and so what happens is you just do what's called a um you know it's basically cocktail culture so what they did was rooted in cocktail culture bullet just collaborated with some bartenders to refine and perfect their take on the bourbon old-fashioned and so this is just a bar quality cocktail that i think you can make just straight out of the bottle we, I throw it in the fridge because yeah. it'll already be chilled and you won't have to worry about ice if you don't want that. But it's really tasty. Yeah. And, you know, since, uh, you know, sometimes when Tawana and I go to movies, since we're, oh, yeah. you know, watching movies just for this show. Yes. And making sure that, you know, we want to get in the feel of where the show could possibly go. Mm-hmm. We'll bring our own little bottle of yes. said cocktail mix. Yes, and, and just pour it over our little cup. Pour over a little cup of ice in the movies. Who knows? It's so small. It's You're like water go. bottle size. You're actually good Throw to go. Throw it in your bag. Pairs <laughs> well with a salty snack like a popcorn, because it also goes well with spicy little red yeah. meat. Want to sneak a nice in a balance. taco? I don't know what you want to do. What what's your what's your vibe in a movie theater? <laughs> but. Hey, listen, they're already selling booze in movie theaters. So if you want to bring your own, this is a perfect little sipper. Because this is a nice little sipping drink. And this will impress your friends and family who come over. <laughs> and if you're feeling lazy, you know, you got this at home, you pull it out. And if if you don't want it straight up or just on the rocks, a little cherry Coke, that would also bring out the cherry flavors. Right. Um, Sprite, ginger ale. Sometimes I like a bourbon and ginger. You know, you just drink it old fashioned style, you know, okay. but you will not be depressed. And furthermore, I chose this because of Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is a very classically what, uh, what is this? Well, 1945. 19, I was going to say 1940s. Yeah, 1945. So it's, it's, it's perfect for that. So get your maid man on. That was cocktail <laughs> culture for sure. Yes, this is definitely cocktail culture. They were drinking a a wazoo in the movie so um yeah i thought it was fun so join me beer drinkers and jump jump ship a little we can ship we can swim back on <laughs> and um this is fun so yeah that was me oh you can get it also you can get it in lo- local liquor stores you tell the wine in, in the cold section so check them and ask yeah. them for the cold section or the manhattan if that's more of your inclination and um yeah have it Right. Yummy. Five stars. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Vaughn. You good now? Opening my drug, my new my new habit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, well, sir. 
folks, I um decided I I made a pineapple smash for the since we're in the summertime and right. people never really know how to make a drink with bourbon because mm-hmm. they, they always assume that they gotta always have it neat, straight, rocks, you know, old fashioned or Manhattan. But there are so many other ways you can enjoy bourbon during the summertime. And one of those ways is to do like a, a pineapple smash. And, I, and the recipe will be online and you'll get to see it. But it's yeah, literally, we'll put it in the show notes. It's literally, you know, pineapple, you know, pineapple chunks, mint leaves, um, bitters, uh-huh. simple syrup. Yeah, that works. Very simple. And bourbon, of course. Yeah. So what I decided to do this time, I went. We went to, since we were looking at, you know, I travel to different neighborhoods and, and, and look for bourbons because everywhere you go, there's a different bourbon in, an, in a neighborhood store. It's never the same. You know, you always see the traditional ones that you always see. You know, you see your Jim Beams, you see your Maker's Mark, you see, you, know, you see all of those. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to find another batch of something. So I went to Vintage Harlem on Frederick Douglass. And I was very happy to say, I was very pleased with what I found there. They're on Frederick Douglass. This, what is that? 2235 Frederick Douglass uh-huh. in Harlem. And yeah. uh, Vintage Harlem and Enrique there, who is the owner, he told me about this uh, bourbon called Kings County Distillery Blended Bourbon. And it's blended mm-hmm. of several different whiskeys and, and including bourbon, of course, because they can't call themselves bourbon without at least 51% bourbon in it correct so they did that and this mix is a mix of oh god they had so many in here they had straight bourbon that was at least two years old they had straight corn whiskey another three to six year old i'm sorry three to four year old bourbon straight bourbon then they had another three to four year old rye and then they had a straight malt whiskey which is like what they make out of scotch what they use in scotch, and that mm-hmm. was two years old. So that's what makes it blended, because you have all these different blends together. And um, absolutely delicious. It's a little high on the retail side, but, you know, for 80 bucks, you're actually going to have a good drink. And they call this, what I loved about this, when I read the little label that's on the bottle, it's the whenever whiskey, which I think is cool, because it's <laughs> like whether you want something just to sip and you want to, you know, just have a nice little drink you know, use it. it. It works. And so they call it the whatever, whatever whiskey. And I'm, I feel that because it works in a lot of ways because they have so many different elements. You get the spice of the rye. You get that malty taste that you like from a good scotch. And then you have the, the sweetness of the bourbon. So it was a it was a nice blend in Kings County. They're, they're made right here in New York, in Brooklyn, at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. They've been around since 2010. And they actually have the nerve to call themselves. This is the thing that I think is so funny about all these bourbon stories. Kings County Distillery is New York's oldest operating whiskey distillery. The first since Prohibition. Okay. Is that true? But it was founded in 2010. So yeah, that, that can't be true. That's been a long period of time. So, okay, I got it. There's that, a lot of gaps in between are that you, and Prohibition. Are you, are you the only one? The 1920s, maybe? Right. Are you the only one? But, you know, okay, if that's what you say. Well, fantastic. That's what it is. And yeah. so, you know, like I said, me and Tawana are going to make a little road trip out there because. Uh, I agree. Check out this distillery. And, you know, Alex, our former. Our, our first producer. First producer. Great friend. You know, he was the first person to turn me on to this because they used to sell this at the farmer's market. 
Mm-hmm. And he picked up a bottle, yeah, a different he, blend. He it was a different blend. It was the one with the white label. This this yeah. bottle has a blue label. Mm-hmm. And um, he had turned me onto it back then. And so like six years ago, so we're going to make this little trip out there because I want to see Great. how their process goes. And, you know, me and Tawana are really into that. We, we've been traveling yeah. around to look at different distillers. And I think we're going to bring more of that content into the show, too. Yeah. But um, it was it's it's really tasty. Right. And, um, you know. It's yeah. for the grown and sexy. It's for the grown and sexy. And it's nice to see where your bread is made, right? Yeah. Where the where the where the cow comes from, so right. to speak. Absolutely. How you get the how do you get the bacon before the pig? Mm-hmm. You know? So um it's nice to it's nice to see all the elements of how what you're drinking is made. And that will allow you to appreciate the beverage more. Right. Um, right. And we're supporting a New York business. New York so business. So that's always good. So, an independent um, business. Yep. And you know, because so, they're not part of some they're big, entrepreneurs. big conglomerate. So yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool that they Try will. things. Yeah, I think it's cool to try things too. So that that's amazing. So uh, do you have a little bit of industry news you wanted to talk about? I wanted to talk about the writer's strike. Uh, you know, right now we're dealing with the writer's strike and an actor strike. But hopefully That's the writers... That's going on simultaneously yeah, together. Yeah, at the same time. And so hopefully the writers are now in talks again with the studio. So mm-hmm. hopefully they're going to make some inroads. And then that, if if they pass a contract, then ultimately... They will. The studios will then have to focus all their attention on the actors mm-hmm. because we have to resolve this issue. People yeah. need to get paid what they deserve to be paid. Yes, and absolutely. you know AI is the new Oppenheimer. So you know it's a new bomb. But once again, I think if if people have these talks and, and you give these people their their rights and what they deserve, you know, let's get this done because we need content. We need content for these shows. We need stuff to watch. The fall is coming. I cannot watch another freaking game show. I do not. I'm not a fan. But, you know, I get it. I'm not a fan of game shows. I need some content. What you're going to have to do is watch the shows you were originally going to watch but did not get the time to watch it because new stuff came. Yeah, true. So you can still support by catching catching up with some things that you've missed out on. True. But that that does not change the fact that we want, we want, to support them in their efforts to be represented equally right. and uh, fairly. And people need to get paid their worth. Yeah, you got to pay them. If these guys are working at Whole Foods and also being in like brand new series or writing right. brand new series that show up on like Hulu and then they're working at Whole Foods, something's definitely wrong. And dog walking and doing everything right, else that's, to survive. That's not an actual career. That's Bartending. just a job. Right, it's just a job. So, right. And there are a lot of... Um, Actors and writers that you know, they're struggling. And, you yeah, know, definitely in between, and what people don't understand in between these gigs, they're on unemployment. You know, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. That's that's a reality. Yeah. It's not a game, y'all. And, and you know, everybody likes to be entertained. Yes. And but you know, and that even, entertainment has a cost. And even those one percenters are acknowledging that right. you guys are being robbed. So right. You know, you have support, and I hope you're listened to. Yes. And um. You get back out there. Till then, we'll catch up on the stuff you got. Absolutely. You know. What about you? Did you have anything to um, share? Um. So I saw a maybe a couple of weeks ago or so. I saw a horror movie called Talk to Me. Mm-hmm. It's an Australian horror movie about a group of kids that come into possession of an embalmed hand, and they grab the embalmed hand. An embalmed hand allows you to see the other side, mm. so to speak. Um. Interesting. 
uh, horror movie. Fun. Felt a little fantasy-like. I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I dig that they're independent filmmakers. Because it looked like, the, according to the credits, it was bas- it was from an Adelaide Film Festival. Right. So, looks pretty cool. If it's still in the movies, uh, check it out. If not, I'm sure it'll be streaming soon because there is a sequel in the works. Wow. Good for them. And I'm not surprised at that. There was a sequel. It wasn't really open-ended, but I can see where Hollywood's like, oh, we need to recreate that because they must have made some money if you got sequel. Yeah, I went to see uh, The Last Voyage of the Demeter in uh, the Bram Stoker's um, Legend of Dracula, and it was it was really good. And, you know, I was just like, wow, I hate that this movie's coming out when it is out up against so many big yeah, films it's, lost. it's so lost in in all of this and then you know and now that you got um the blue beetle that's out but there are some you know i feel like this movie will have some life in streaming mm-hmm. and so that's because uh i think the same have talked to me and a few of the horror movies that have yeah. come out this summer that i don't think got the for sure like insidious i think it's gonna have more life too insidious there was a movie called cobweb that was lots of fun but a little kid and his parents and his his dreams become a reality. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, with the family in the house. Yeah, his yeah. insidious parents. Uh, really interesting. As and it had also that also had a bit of a fairy tale mm-hmm. aspect to it, um, or, or yeah, fairy tale, a- almost like an evil fairy tale of sorts. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun too, and really cool to watch. Um, I'm also ex- I'm, I don't know if I'm excited, but I'm very interested in Bradley Cooper's new new uh, venture. It is a um, a biopic about the maestro Leonard Bernstein. Mm-hmm. He changed his whole face. He like has prosthetic nose, and he's in it with Carrie Mulligan, who's also a, I'm also a fan of. And sh- so you know he doesn't lack ambition, um, considering his last one was pretty good with Lady Gaga. Oh yeah, he's very talented. He's a writer. He's a director. Um, he's an actor and he's a man that's had some troubles and yeah. still he's pushed, been able to push forward and help others do the same. So I'm excited to hear that as well. That's cool. So, and of course I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit for exorcist. Oh chomping yes. How could I forget that one? Chomping at the bit and the nun. How, the, oh, that, the nun too. Yes. That's it. The that, nun too. These are it. These are the two that I have on my list as well that I'm really uh, anxious to see. So I think it'll be fun. I'm ready for fall. And we'll see. I'm so ready for fall. (laughs) I am so ready for fall. So are we ready? Yeah, we're ready. We're ready for fall. Let's jump on in. Let's talk about... Dealer's choice. What do you want? Barbie. We'll go Barbie. When my heart breaks. Some things have been happening that might be related. When my world shakes. Cold shower. Falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. Barbie, directed by uh, Greta Gerwig. Um, Greta's had uh, a number of films that we are familiar with. Um, Lady Bird, uh, Frances Ha, uh, and uh, Jackie, and and quite a few other films. Um, Wasn't A Little Woman? I think think Mm -hmm. she did Little Woman as well. Um, And so she's garnered a bit of a reputation for doing uh, uh, women-driven pieces. And so she took on Barbie's story. And in this, this is Barbie's 
who suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence. Starring Robbie, Ryan Gosling, um, Issa Rae, Kate McKinnon. I could go on and on and on, but we would be here all day because there are a million Barbies. Yeah. And just as equal amount of Kens. Right. <laughs> but um, but I digress. Um, and after you, you missed that. Um, Barbie. I was waiting so long to see Barbie. There, there, it Were was you? So hard to get in to see that. I've been. Oh, you to meant see, to get in. Now you've yeah, been, I've been wi- waiting to dying get into to see it because I'd already been reading about it. I yeah, knew where they were going to go. I knew where they were going to go with it. And then I'd seen a lot of interviews with uh, Margot and a few other cast members. But they were very hush-hush about it initially. Like, you only saw little clips and you didn't really understand. But then the marketing. And, and folks, I'm and an advertiser. That's what got people in. Folks, I'm an advertiser. And their marketing strategy was absolute genius. There's yeah, it was so, flawless. There's so many tie-ins. And initially, it started out with just literally people putting themselves in the Barbie box. And images. You know, and then they would pump it out in social. So you would see your face in the Barbie box and so on and so forth. So that's how it initially started. And then it just built upon that. And next thing you know, brands were doing tie-ins with Barbie, even insurance companies. So I was like, okay. Yeah, um, progressive. Progressive. And I was like, all right. And now then there were, you know, reality shows about building the Barbie dream house and renovating Mm -hmm. your house. Yeah. And I said... I can't believe we're literally watching this competition show yeah. about the Barbie Dream House, but they were it worked and they had winners. And the thing about the thing about Barbie, the there's so much historical significance to Barbie because she's been around for seventy five years. Something it's a very long time, mm-hmm. and so the whole thing, she has such a fan base. If you're like a collector, I know some people who are actually collectors. Yeah, of, my grandma was of, one. Barbie and um, and all of the dolls in the lexicon. That's why it was so cool to see Alan because they never really talk about Alan much. But Alan was one of the friends. I feel like Alan was Skipper's. They, they talked friend. about a lot of uh, uh, discontinued Barbie, characters. right? And I thought it was really cool. So you know, just to see that was really kind of funny. And one thing that was cool to me because I'm always about representation. They they also had all of the lines of Barbie, so that included the the Barbies with disabilities. And so you saw that in the film too, you know. So you saw you saw Barbies with prosthetics. So you saw Barbies with uh, uh, hearing devices, and mm-hmm. there was a Barbie uh, in a wheelchair and all that stuff. So Barbies with prosthetics, exactly. So that's that was the whole point of it. Because one thing that Mattel Mattel does right is that they're all about representing more and more of the population. Now that's why you see Barbie in different body styles and, and skin complexions and to represent everybody. And I think that's kind of where Greta was trying to go with this story uh, in a, in a weird way, because when we get to my section, I'll explain more about that. You know, but, she, she was trying to, in talking about women, and I like, I really enjoyed America Ferreira's performance in this because she doesn't get it. She's not working enough. She's so busy being an activist because she's been really, really busy. Yeah, but she works. She, just she does work, get, but I need to see more. Of her, well, it depends on what off- what role she's offered. Sometimes she's, people turn things down, and, and I believe she's doing do that it. because I'm not going to do your stereotypical nonsense. Yeah, because she's you know? not doing that, um, and she's really been really big and powerful in the. She also Me Too might movement. be producing. She yeah, might be and I writing. think that might be what it's going because I yeah. know she's been doing a lot of producing too. But she, it was good to see her on camera and yeah. and her relationship with her daughter, 
and, and, and how that played out in the film. And so it, it was good to see that. But I think that, you know, what's interesting about this movie and, and Oppenheimer and how they got paired together, because the, the system, the studio system was smart to do that because they got people, people saw Oppenheimer and Barbie in the same day. That's why it was so hard to get tickets because some people saw Barbie in the know. morning. How did you not then, have no life? Because I don't know. Fucking Oppenheimer is three and a half hours. That's a whole long day with trailers, and Barbie is not a small amount of time either. That bitch is about two hours. Yeah, too, it's two hours, if not a little bit more, plus trailers. Yeah. So you spent it was a whole day over six hours. It was a whole day, and I'm not opposed to that because I love a good marathon. But no, <laughs> that's the both of them are too dense to see together. It's not for everybody, but there were a lot of people doing it, and that's why the numbers were so so big for both films, especially that opening weekend. But also, people were dressing up and doing it, right. All the I things was going to say it had you know, it had the appeal of say like Black Panther and Wakanda, right? But that was more cultural, and this also felt um, more. I, I mean, I guess this can be cultural from a woman's um, context. But they were just going in droves and with children and oh, with family. Yeah. And it is not. This is your public service announcement. This is not a child's film. No, This it's is not. not for children. This is not for your 13-year-old. This is not for your 10-year-old, your 5-year-old. This is not a cartoon. No, it's not. And the fact that they were playing trailers that were animated films, for what? You were advertising films for children, and this was not a film for children. Mm-hmm. They will be confused. They will not enjoy it past the visuals. Honestly. Because there were a lot of adult themes and, and concepts that I don't know if children got. And other than children seeing. Children don't need to have them yet. Right. And other it's than seeing. And if other than seeing little pink cars and, yeah. you know, the Barbies that you've always known about. But I don't know if the movie is for. It's not for a children. Kid. It's not for a kid. Unless your kid is is of the upper echelon and tell <laughs> bit of intelligence and maturity for their age. And you have discussions like this with your children. I mean, for me, there was a decadence about it. Yeah. There the was costume a, design, the yes, set design was incredible. There was a fun about it, but there were a lot of things that went awry to me. There was some, maybe not a lot. But, you know, so Barbie is in this world. She's in Barbie land, mm-hmm. right? And then things go awry. And she has to enter in the real world. Not spoiling a single thing that's in the trailer. Um, but then I will say the visuals of it are compelling. Right. And to see Barbie come to life is amazing. But a part of it felt like a little Black Mirror-ish <laughs> episode. <laughs> it felt like a Black Mirror episode okay. that smashes the... F- patriarchy completely yeah. the bits yes. which is why it's not for children because then you have to explain that and good luck with that conversation before it's time um to its core i think that um it's entirely made for that audience okay it's not made for the patriarchy unless and i will say this wisely you are open-minded to this concept because this may not be for every single person but i do think everyone should watch it um, I think it's made for women and those that support, let's say, the pussy hat movement. It's very feminist driven. Um, and I do not say that um as an indictment of the movement at all. I am a woman and very informed one. And I just felt like um I was already informed enough to see this movie. Uh to take the concepts in immediately. Uh doesn't mean that you can't see it, it just means you're not gonna gain any new revelations. And I just kind of felt like um 
what's the word? I think that that if you're aware, this is a certainty for those who are men, women, and other gendered, um, if not gendered. Uh, but I, I feel like the story seemed to go one way and then it went another way. In some regards, I felt like there was a little bit of crowding with the Will Ferrell context. I feel like Greta might have loved Will Ferrell a little too much because there was a lot of Will Ferrell that didn't need to be in there. And I get if you need a comic relief, but this is a comic relief that's not related to what is happening within the storyline. Now, this works fantastically for America and the her daughter's storyline. That worked interchangeable. That was the exact draw of the story. But Will Ferrell felt silly and a bit contrived, and it annoyed yeah. me. Well, he's he's always silly. But he didn't need... And a bit we contrived. Didn't, we didn't need him in this. It, I was, don't, it was an unnecessary I, I distraction. Agree. I agree. I don't necessarily think you needed him. No. Because the story was so well-driven by... Well-driven. By uh, Margot Margo and, and, and Ryan. Margot, Ryan, and America. And America. That... You didn't really need him. It but was not necessary. You can represent that at the beginning of the film when you introduce Barbie in this grand 2001 entrance. And it was like, oh, look at how we changed from having um, little little uh, doll babies to Barbie, who is who will show you about yourself, who will give you in importance and rise to do more. Because dolls went from being where little girls were pretending to be mothers, mothers to their dolls to yes. all of a sudden seeing a doll like Barbie that represented women right being being all these different things and who you could be right and who you could right. be exactly. as a little girl growing up into a woman and so i think that that's what it represents and that's the power that Barbie's always had because yeah. Barbie is is like a symbol of one she's a symbol of americana and in, in how in america you can be anything and everything that you want to be Mm -hmm. and especially if you're a white woman that all can certainly be true Mm -hmm. and um so it it is represented there and 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 that's what that was was, that was the big shift for dolls baby doll baby dolls quote unquote right to a barbie well it was the maturity of of little girls to to adolescents right then to teenagers and women right and um and that works fine, but uh, yeah, that that whole marketing part did not need Will Ferrell. We got that at the beginning. <laughs> and if you wanted to introduce Will Ferrell, then that would have been perfectly stated. But then we got into the real world, and Will Ferrell was was woefully misplaced. I think. I even think I liked what Rita Perlman was not Rita Perlman. Yes, Rhea, Rhea yeah, Perlman. I really like what she was doing and what yes. she represented as the original maker, as the maker of the, as mm-hmm. the the originator of Barbie and the creator of Barbie. But Will could have been left out of it. Yeah, I mean, it I, actually could have been without him. It and just felt her. like total antics. Yeah, right. it could have been just her. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I will say, and I'm going to say this for Oppenheimer later too. I will forever be um grateful for the top tier work of the production departments yeah. of the wardrobe departments of the performances of the music of all of that was fantastic those people should get oscars just because yeah because the amount of production that went into this literally we were in barbie land yeah you if, felt it too if you ever had a barbie 
or knew someone who had a Barbie or watched little kids play with Barbies. This was come to life real size, like Barbie cars and right. Barbie houses and these little trinkets and pieces of iconic parts of Barbie. So, and and for that, you know, I'd give it, I will recommend that everyone see it because it is a phenomenon. And I feel like people need to just go understand it for themselves, whether you hate it or not. Um, don't listen to anybody. Just go judge for your own opinions. But um, yeah, <sighs> Like a serious, like, uh, what the, uh, I'll give it a serious, like, four. And that's just for the performances and all the, all the hoopla. The story got lost. I think she meant well, but I also think she fell in love with some things that were just so undeniable. I would say the same for Nolan, too. There were some moments that I think he could have cut out, too, but we'll get there. <laughs> but, well, you know, for, for me, and, and, and I've said this to you before, I think that both of these movies rep- represent patriarchy oh, running at its, amok and it's and it's worse just run amok and and what i what was interesting to me was was ken and seeing ken first of all ken was very needy and i loved how they flipped the script on ken being so needy and, and wanting to be in the presence of barbie all the time yeah. i get it and and then well how, that's also how they sell barbie exactly they they sell it in in that way and he's he's, he's an just, accessory he's an accessory to her all to of her barbie, greatness yeah. and so you know his main thing was going to the beach and being the lifeguard and being the cool boyfriend and da 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 and that's fine because that's how they market women that's why they flipped it the way they did and and then when you give and you know, and then all of a sudden, when the men get the power, everything just goes crazy in, yeah, the, in the place. As and, in life, and it's an example of it again. And then it, it happens again in Oppenheimer. So that's what I enjoyed about it. And you know, I've been getting, you know, I be, I work a lot in uh, disability work and disability inclusion work, and so I've been mm-hmm. getting people that, people send me a bunch of Kens in wheelchairs and stuff mm-hmm. now. So I've been getting those. So I get to see all these different incarnations of Kens, right? And um. And I think it's really kind of interesting, but um, you know, I, I personally thought the movie was one. It was cool to see fathers taking their daughters to see. Yeah, that's cute. To see what, Barbie how old and are these having daughters? no, they were older. The these older, are older. Daughter, Most sure. of these people are older kids. They're not the little girls. These are gotcha. like older preteens and teen girls right. who fathers went. You know, because I one of my good friends his. Daughters took him there for five. They day. were older, and they're you know they're older, but they they wanted him to be a part of the whole Barbie experience, and yeah, of course, you know, he even got his little pink shirt and did this right, whole thing. Because then that's when it becomes like right because they wanted a, the father daughter experience, and mm-hmm. and they were talking to him about patriarchy. I'm sure they, you were. know, because you know they've been watching all this stuff on TikTok, and they're learning about what it really means in the power of women, and we, we're dealing in a situation where we live in a world. Where they've stripped away Roe versus Wade. In most states. These young girls mm-hmm. are going to grow up in this world if we don't make some changes. A world that they've never existed in before. Right. So now, you know, it's important for people to have these kind of conversations. So I think that, really that, that kind of stuff is cool. And so, like I said, it's I would definitely, you know, recommend that you see it. Yeah, see and, it for sure. Because you know, Margot Florida, Robbie is Florida, amazing. If you see it, if you live in Florida, just go see it. Because y'all need to learn some stuff. Because you've got a place... You're in a place where they don't want you to learn much. So you might actually learn something from a movie and maybe your governor won't be upset by it. Well, you know, you know what? what? I think the problem with their governor being upset is that they are well. I think a bunch of people are well-knowledged mm-hmm. in Florida. 
But unfortunately, they're outnumbered by those who aren't. Right. So <laughs> voting is hard and for anytime them. Anytime you, you fear um, a movie and a doll for being woke, but, you then know, there's a problem. It's not just him. There's a litany of them knuckleheads that mm-hmm. want to tell you not to watch things. And that is fascism. <laughs> so if you're unaware of what that is, just Google. Fascism is a, is a real actuality. It's fascism? Fascism. And, and communism? Is the opposite of individuality. Oh, okay. Thank you. So, you know, if you want to be the same and have no rights, you keep doing that. <laughs> but for me, I will choose my right to say Barbie right. was okay. Yeah. Not fantastic. And I did not have on no pink going to see her. I was wearing black all day. <laughs> I actually had on pink. I had on those pink pants. Oh, those pants yeah, yeah, the pink. pink yeah, they're like a pinkish shirt. Yeah, I have, I but that was pink. not that was not purposeful. that wasn't intentional. But um, so I'll say Barbie. But the power to the pink because I look. It's hard. It's hard to give a pink. number to this. Quite honestly, hard hard to give a number to this for me. I don't want to. I don't want to low ball it, but I don't want to. I don't want to sail it into the sky. But I'll say, go see Barbie. Make your own opinions, Robbie Ryan. Issa, ton of other people, fantastic in it. Cause fucking Margot Robbie could cry on a dime. She can. So, so she's I, amazing. I've loved her since Focus with Will Smith, and she outshined him. So she's a superwoman. Definitely for sure. go see it. She's in the upper echelon of a Jessica Chastain or a Charlize Theron, yep. and she greatly deserves it. Yeah, she's, um, she's gonna be. She was in Chevalier, which we saw re- not long ago. Um, so check that review out. Yeah. But um, yeah, go see it. Check it out. No, her friend was in Chevalier. Oh no! Yes, it was the woman that looks like her. My yes, bad. not her. Whoops! She not looks just her. like her. She looks just like she her. She does look like her. She has got dark hair. Dude. But uh, either way, like I Barely. said, Margot Robbie is amazing. Ryan Reynolds is really talented. He and is very talented. He, I, I just, I like his little nuances and his little subtleties in his performances. Yeah. And so I'm, I can appreciate seeing that. Apparently, Will, our producer, doesn't agree. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> It's Ryan Gosling. Gosling. I'm sorry. Yes. You're right. Thank you for that. Thank you, Ryan Gosling. Please, Ryan, forgive me. I don't want to confuse you with the other Ryan. I mean, you they're know, both pretty good. The entrepreneur, Ryan Gosling, because <laughs> that's that's important to notice because there's a lot of Ryan. There's a distinction. But um, once again, check out the movies and yeah. uh, see what you like. And, check them out, see you what know. you like. And then also, I just want to throw this in at the end. Also go see it because if you're going to see this for this feminism you need to support Greta because she is a female filmmaker yes. who is one of the top tier ones. Because I remember barely, her from Frances Ha. Who barely get acknowledged. So I will give you all that. Yeah, she And does. a bag of chips, Greta, because yeah. it is hard in this world to be anything in Hollywood as a woman when they already created it. But that's another story. And Lady Bird is sensational. If you ever get a chance to see Lady Bird, Frances Ha, Check them out. Please, 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 please. Okay. So, um, fantastic. Let's move on. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. I don't know if we can be trusted with such a weapon. But we have no choice. Another unbelievably long movie. Yeah, that was For a no long. apparent reason. I'm sorry. But Easy. I, shave I was okay 45. I'm okay with it, but shave 45 to minutes to an hour off of it what you did can be done still i'm sorry i'm a filmmaker and i understand how story structure should go and i understand how it should exist but nolan likes a good long movie you know he's like scorsese or um uh, spielberg they just like long movies because they like to tell the tale to infinity so you know anyway directed by christopher nolan 
starring the unbelievable Celine Murphy, Emily Blunt. I'm sorry, Killian Murphy, uh, Emily Blunt. Uh, I don't think he's so fantastic, Matt Damon, but Robert Downey Jr. And the list in this movie goes on and on and on. Just when you think you saw the guy you remembered from so-and-so, here comes another one. Everyone wanted to be a part of this movie because it was the story of an American scientist, John Robin Oppenheimer, and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. Yes, yes, yes. Um, how do I start this? <laughs> okay, so the story essentially leads up to the Manhattan Project. And for all of you who are uncertain about that, that is the creation of the atomic bomb. Um, all out in the desert, creating villages for people so that they can work 24-7. Yeah, in New Mexico. In New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this, this movie is about... What leads up to the Manhattan Project, doing the Manhattan Project, and what comes after the magic, the uh, Manhattan Project, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. Yes. Um, Killian Murphy delivers an amazing performance, I think. He is really, and really good. And from his intense stares, a la Peaky Blinders for all you Murphy fans, um, <laughs> I am truly a Peaky Blinders fan. Um, <laughs> if you have so, if you have been so inclined, do check it out. Uh, full of his regret and despair. He uh, he basically sends you all the calming um, and easy relatability uh, that uh, that Killian always can do. Essentially, the father of the atomic bomb, um, but he's not the meg- meg- sorry megalomaniac killer that you would think a person who would create this would be. Um, he he definitely was your average scientist who had his own demons to bear. But that caused, tried, that caused no ill will, and he was definitely trying to solve the problems of the world, thus creating this atomic bomb. Also getting wrapped up in the whole military right. um, debacle and the world war, as it was. Um, I just think, um, you know, it, every actor in this film did such a good job, a yes. fantastic job. Yep. I think some were so unassuming that you never knew who they were until you saw them. Yes. You know, um, like Josh Hartnett. I was just like, was that Josh Hartnett? He was so good. <laughs> right? It, it is just all these little pieces, all these little, uh, these actors that really just sort of popped. Uh, also, very famously known to Nolan's work. Absolutely no CGI was used in this. No CGI at all. The film, even when it had its shots of like Supernova to the Adams wasn't around in, uh, in Oppenheimer's head, uh, it was always about him, right? His work was never the, never the focus, right? It was always about the focusing of him and not the bomb itself. Um, another attribute that I really, really appreciated was the score. And so they worked hand in hand with the with the dialogue, um, heightening the anticipation of what was to come, or the moment that was existing, because uh, there were several. Um, intense moments in this uh, due to what was happening in the film. And uh, I think I think that the art direction was amazing as well. I think this is a true epic piece, right? A true epic piece. I think the music, the score, the story, the performances, the direction, all super top tier work. Every minute was, was so above board. Uh, I, I don't think 
if you were in a cinephile before and you really like this, you probably are now because of all the work that they did to make this. And I think, like I said, a bit long, but um, highly see, recommend it. The, the link didn't bother me at all because I was never at eat not one second was I ever bored. No, it's not about I that. I was always interested in what was going to happen next. The shots were so beautiful mm-hmm. that I could not That's stop what I'm saying. from looking at the screen. All of the black and white shots were oh, just The black and white stunning. shots were amazing. And and what they did with Robert Downey Jr., who, who was outstanding. Yeah. He, he's, he's one of America's best actors. Agreed. And, you know, fuck all this Iron Man bullshit. He, well, he had to make those to get to this. Right. He's an actor. <laughs> and yeah. it shows. Like I said, there, there's some great performances here. My girl from Midsummer that, yeah. that you love so much. Um, well, I love Midsummer. Um, weird. I'm okay. I'll take that. Oh God, what is her name? And she's not immediately coming up on the credits. Uh, I'll find it, but continue. She's in, she's she's amazing. She's amazing, and she's gonna keep working. She's absolutely she's, gonna. Keep she's working. gonna keep working because she just does some insane work. Um, is it? Pew, what's her, her last name? Is Pew. She, she has a very odd name. Um, I think I don't think it's Pew. I think it's like Pug, Pug or something. What, why is she not coming? Either out? way, she's anyway, in there. It takes her. I guess it takes a while for her to show up here because there's so many people in the there's movie. There's so many people in the movie, but continue. But anyway, she's outstanding, and um, I just like I liked all of the performances. I I could not stop watching it, and I was very amazed at the thought process of what creators do because i've been saying this forever anytime somebody creates something new and something with all this power and potential all the creators all of a sudden after it's done then they want to backpedal and say oh my god that's going to be so dangerous and that's going to destroy the world florence florence Pugh. yes she's she's incredible they always say all these creators always say oh my god you know, I regret creating this thing. It's going to destroy the world. Man is going to destroy itself using this tool that I created. But you created it. But you created it. So and it didn't stop you from doing it. You did it. But I think in this but regard, it, it, it they show that he everywhere. never intentionally did that. And he had an intense, an intensity about creating something great. But when it happened, he was immediately upset about it. And it wasn't like he thought, oh, this would blow up. And this was a collaborative effort. Yes. So he was not Between solely the, the creator of this. He is the follower of it because he crafted the teams who would work together to build it. But I honestly don't think, at least according to the film, and this is based on a book, according to the film, he did not willfully mean to create this. Like, this and, wasn't intentional. And I'm sure he didn't. Yeah. But you know Some people did. When you understand the when you understand the impact, every time you were I doing all that they testing, did. they had to know. Anytime you're doing all that testing out there in that desert, blowing up shit and testing it, you have to know. And even when they thought potentially that it could really have a bigger impact on the environment, they still did it. They didn't realize. I think I think what's what's really shown strongly in the film is they they were pe- putting little pieces together and sort of experimenting. P- could plutonium be used? Could, could this be used? Could that be used? All these different materials that could ultimately um, devastate. But it wasn't until that initial atomic bomb explosion way out in the desert 
then he was like, oh my God. And by then, if you recall, by then he could not re- recall. Yeah, you can't take it back. He couldn't recall the 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 creation because the military had taken it and yep. sconced away immediately. Yep. So they were like, there's no change in your mind. Like yeah, it's done. You can't pull apart a piece a piece of, of the bomb apart to make sure it doesn't work. And you know. they were in they were in competition with with the Russians and and they well, didn't want the Russians to get the power first. We were, the Russians, the Germans, because we were in a world war. There was a lot of people who were working for various organizations, in the same regard that that America was manipulating him as well. The American uh, military was manipulating him as well, and then and then thusly tried to manipulate him after. So. Right. Um, and destroy him and destroy him but you know ultimately you know that's what the government does there's a fall guy for every action that they take i don't deny your your statement that people make things knowing sometimes knowing that this could go awry but i don't think they always know exactly how far it would go you really think um zuckerberg knew how bad facebook would get no not in a million years he didn't even have social graces he sure got him now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Instagram, did he know how far Instagram would go? Not really. And then it turned into a greater monster. And look what Muskie is doing to Twitter, to a.k.a. X. So, but you he's know. the type of personality that knows ahead of time right. what he is willfully doing. And now, but see, now the big talk is the, the dangers of AI. Like, all of a sudden now, they're so worried about it, but you weren't worried about it when you were using it. And now, all of a sudden, and when you created it, and now you're worried about it. And, and, and all of a sudden, when people are going to potentially lose their jobs or not get paid fairly because, you know, studios might use AI instead of using the actual actors or the writers, then what? So, you know, there's there's a lot of ramifications to a lot of things. And I think we need to really dig a little deeper as opposed to, I mean, didn't we see Terminator? We saw Terminator. And yes, and I think that is a, that is an idea that has existed long before it. Right. But AI, before they created AI, was already in existence in various parts. Yeah. Like fucking Siri. That's AI. Yes. And that was in existence for quite a while before chat GPT. Yes, it was. So, so it had already existed. Right. All these fucking echoes and 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 dots and all the and all the bots. All, that, but all the ones that control your house. So like yeah. the Google Echo, right? Then that Google and yeah. Then Apple has one. Yep. So like it controls everything in your house. It can turn on your light. It could turn off your shit in your house. And then what happens when the power goes out? Are mm. you left to your own devices? What happens to society then? What happens to like you know? situations where where we're in pandemics and all sorts of issues we don't know how that stuff is going to turn out right but neither do these or fucking if, AIs. if your house decides to kill you and right turn off like, all the air and well, you have no oxygen all right. of a sudden what was that movie I, I i can't even remember um it's like not the bad seed but it's like the seed when demon her, seed when it, her house yes. yeah i think it's demon seed. it's demon seed when her house was like taking over and then it would wanted to impregnate her yes. at some point yep I was like, what the fuck? And it would like, um, it would like, um, make her floor really hot. Right. So she couldn't step on the floor. She she couldn't get away. It kept her. Yeah. Yeah. With Julie Christie Mm -hmm. carries the demon seed. Right. And so like, they would just like keep her from leaving her home. And then she was trapped in the house and people were trying to get in and they didn't know where she was half the time. It was a whole thing, but it was very similar. Or, you know, um, um, Alien. Think about the bots in Alien, you know. The um, 
they're called androids in, in Alien and how they kept evolving. Some were evil and some were not. Right, or even the fembots on Binding Man and, and the six million dollar and the right, right. Binding Woman and the six million dollar man. All these things have, yes. have lived in science fiction for generations, and now we're actually seeing a lot of this stuff come to life. Right. So you know, it, so is it art imitates life, or life imitates art? Right. How can you control the monster that you created, like Frankenstein? You just wanted to. He just wanted to bring, you know, Mary Shelley. They just wanted to bring somebody back to Earth. And, I'm back to Earth, back, back to, to life. life. Mm-hmm. And then what happens after that? Can you control it? Like Reanimator, can you control the monster that comes back? Do That's they, true. Do they come back evil? Like Pet Cemetery? Do they come back evil? Right. Depending on where you bury them, they're coming do back. Do they evil. not? So it's just like it's 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 a drop in a bucket, right? It's a seed that grows, and you don't know how big this plant's gonna spread. So you have a point about that, but I think that people's zest to to not move forward, to not succeed, and to create bigger and better things, right, um, overpowers the 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 foresight to do things safer. That's true. And I'm certain America got some governmental shit happening with that AI shit. Oh, of course, of course. I'm sure there's some. Some soldiers, of course, in the mix. even though our silly ass Congress people, they sit around and act like they don't understand what email is versus social versus AI. Yeah. They don't know anything. I don't know why they have their jobs, but it just it just we amazes sadly me. Them. It's it saddens <laughs> me how ignorant they walk around, and it just amazes me because yeah. I, I need smart people to take over again because all of these mediocre yeah. subpar yeah, talents to do that is are to not vote. working please so, vote ha- however you need to do that in whatever right. regard please vote, vote and, wisely um, for people in florida i gotta bring up florida again if you want to learn something about history and communism check out this movie <laughs> and yeah. and how fearful americans used to be over communism even though you're ready to sell your democracy now for it you know just in fascism honestly yeah think about it i'm i'm not and i'm not afraid to say it i am a black queer woman so i'm not the biggest rah-rah sis boomba wave the american flag there's a lot of shit that goes down with them but i'm gonna tell you right now i'll pick up something and fight for some democracy because i'm not about to go backward Mm -hmm. i'm already there in -hmm. some regards so I'm not about to lose what little bit of freedoms I got here in this country versus some other countries that, woo, far right. worse. It's real. Far, it's far real. worse. And now, and you know, I think back to when I look at anything Christopher does, Christopher Nolan, the yes. scale of his movies is just They're so big. They're always large. Um, and, and as of late, they've always, they've most frequently been IMAX. So highly go see this. Right. And if you got an IMAX theater in your, in your state or your city, Try no. and go see it there because you cannot see it any other way because it was shot on 70 millimeter, 70 millimeter film. Yeah. So to see it is to see it in its grandeur right. on a huge mass of screen and a huge mass of structure. Um, the vistas alone, the epicness of this film right. is that. And just the scale, like just like with Dunkirk. Remember when we yes. reviewed Dunkirk? Yes. Shout out to you, Alex. By it, the way, that was the same cinematographer who did this one. Exa- of course it was because you could see the mastery in the work. And just all the just the simple shots. It, it wasn't always always about big things. Yeah. It was sometimes about little moments, it's about little stuff. And he could do it in a way. But he loves that stuff because he's done ten and he's done nope and right. Stella. That's all seventy millimeter. Right. And then when the way Robert Downey Jr. would walk into the frame, and it's very pa. Uh, yeah, pa. 
no D A Pennebaker, mm-hmm. where it's the look of it's the look of the the viewer, right? Against the subject versus the opposite. Yeah, it was it's, it was stunning. I, every yeah, time, it was really pretty. I'm telling you, every time, and every time I saw Robert Downey Jr. and the way he was in the frame, just just because mm-hmm. I like magic in the frame, and he, the way they yeah, shot him agreed. all the time, he just it was something special to see. And um, and I, I tell people all the time, I was talking to somebody at work about this. I would go see that just to watch. Oh yeah, I would watch the it look of frame the film. by frame. I, I felt like I have to watch it again because um it was a lot to take in and you're you're sitting there as a viewer enjoying the spectacle of it, mm-hmm. um, and the acting and all that it pulls you in to right. into the film. And then, you know, if you're so inclined to be more analytical like us, you could see it again in an IMAX if you can get it, because you're gonna see like like when he was thinking about like supernova and 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 right. atoms just whizzing around and the molecules breaking apart and you know as you said brackish yeah Sam Brackish uh, was, Sam a, Brackish. was an American uh, filmmaker right right and so I mean I'm sure you can see some Sam Brackish stuff on YouTube it's very available yeah um, check out Midnight but uh, you know his editing process and what he would put on the f- on the actual celluloid itself. Um, to like make these images, so it would be like his f- thoughts and f- illusions within yeah. um, Oppenheimer's head, right? Was was what they were showing, but um, yeah, I mean, bravo, give it five stars, bring a fucking snack or two. <laughs> this movie is fucking long, and I'm not saying that like long. it wasn't. It was painful. It was not painful, but. When you look down and you're watching, you're like, damn, I have another hour and a half to go. <laughs> you know, you're kind of like, wow, this is a long movie. And it's not three and a half hours is no small feat. It's a lot of time yeah. to be sitting in a movie theater. And imagine seat. what was left on the editing room floor. On the editing room floor, because I'm almost certain that Christopher Nolan is a maniac about what he wants to keep in his films. Yeah, I'm, just, oh, I'm almost absolutely. certain. Almost certain. 100%. And then when you shoot in 70 millimeter, you cannot imagine what they took out of the film. First of all, you could guarantee all that's going to be in the cuts, in the behind the scene cuts right. or the left out footage. Because if you want to think about 16 millimeter, 16 millimeter is maybe like the tip of your pinky. 70 millimeter is like your entire finger past the base of the finger. 70 millimeter is fairly large and it can't even be held. It it uh, it's the, the the mag is on a on a fucking truck and then it just rides by with the camera <laughs> attached. Cuz it's film. so much film and it's so unbelievably heavy. I mean, really interesting stuff. So if you're interested in this and you're in like go Google, but like if you're in New York, we have the film the uh, Museum of the Moving Image in Astoria super fucking cool if you are a little bit of a film nerd and you want to learn some stuff and it's relatively free if you're a student if not you know figure that out but they have a giant 70 millimeter can- uh, line, um, film th- theater in there as well so it, it, if you're interested in films in this regard and pass our, our shit talking dribble about the film you want to know a little bit more about how right. how it's done how the bread is made mm-hmm. 
Go do that. And it, I'm telling you, it's definitely going to be a different experience on television than what we saw yeah, on they're the gonna, screen. Yeah, they're going to shrink a lot of shit. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Because I will watch it on television because I want to see what changes. Because you yeah. know that that screen is going to get... Mean, yeah. <laughs> I need a couple of days to breathe deep and then go see it again. Well, I completely dehydrated myself before going because I was not going to leave to go to the <laughs> bathroom. I sat through the entire film because I, I had to wait. 16 ounce, like container of tea and i sipped it like i was on a desert island <laughs> a little at a time like this would be my last drink and i had snacks of course but you know i was just like Oof, what will i need in case this goes south yeah there were no there were no um, bullet cocktails for me that day because no. i had to, i just had to watch it no, and no. i went to see it early in the morning you did that's i saw right. a nine and a 9 a.m show because once again barbie and oppenheimer were the hardest movies to see yeah it was hard to get into these movies right and so once i them. got in there to see it once i found a ticket i was like i gotta go to see this one and i didn't want to lose my whole day yeah because it was the barbie behind in the, the wave movie. so i was like okay but we got it. We got it. I, I highly recommend it. Just for highly recommend it. Historical, historical references, and also just if not the just beauty the of performances. Yeah. The performances. If you were never a cinephile before and you watch Nolan's films, you will become one, because he is one of he is one of the filmmakers that makes um, filmmaking the craft of filmmaking and art. He's an orator, best believe, out of the line of Hitchcockian. Or tour ships, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Spielberg and the like, all of that. Yeah. And he knows how to get great performances out of his actors. Because just look what he did with Dunkirk. And there was very little dialogue and just a lot of physical action, but beautifully shot. Is Dunkirk is? Yes. Oh, I, didn't, I don't think I realized that Dunkirk Yes. Was. I mean, Dunkirk was also like six years ago. So once but, again. Oh, Dunkirk is by far like one of the greatest films ever made about any war America has ever had. Right. And so, you and know. And that wasn't even about America. That was about, like, the beginning. Right. So it's going to, I, when I say all that to say World is, these are the kinds of things that you you go to a movie like this to see. You yeah. know, so this is why you would go. I think Dunkirk was a good three hours, too. It was. No, hour and 46 minutes, It felt much longer. Felt much longer, <laughs> but was such a, a ride. Yes. and But that's what. Nolan is known for. Yeah, he is. So known once for again, that. I just check out these movies. You know, give yourself the time and the space to go. You know, the day to go, and and just just do it, and um, you'll you'll get something out of it. And like I said, Robert Downey Jr. Murphy. Yeah, hands down, uh, Murphy and and June Downey should get some Oscar nods. Emma girl, because she was. Oh, Emily Blunt is. Emily by far, Blunt is the bomb. Okay, I, the I'm bomb. I'm secretly like a little bit of love with her just because of her filmmaking. I love style. her parenting style I, I in lo- this film. Yeah, well, <laughs> I love her. You know, <laughs> she she's a bit off the rails with her parenting. She style. She has zero f's to give. She, in her parenting style, I was like, whoa. <laughs> Bitch, you know this is a 24-hour gig, right? She had zero Fs to give. It was fun. It was great. But uh, like I said, it was a fun ride for me. It's definitely a five. It's definitely a five. Please go see it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's going to be it for us. Yeah. We've we've waxed on poetically enough for a while. Yes, we did. (laughs) Hope you didn't miss us too bad. But if you like this episode, be sure to like, share, and follow us on all our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
She's changing. SoundClouds. <laughs> oh, it's X. I'm sorry. It's X now. Uh, <laughs> uh, SoundCloud, where we host Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. And make sure you use our hashtag if you would like to mention something or or uh, shout us out or give us recommendations. That's hashtag BBM Podcast. That's hashtag BBM Podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you, Will. Thanks for listening. Will, thank you so much, sir. You're amazing. If you would like these new edits, by the way, that is Will. Will is throwing in these little clips, and we're fucking loving it. Yes, we are. So shout out to Will every day of the week. We love you, Will. Thanks for hanging out. This is Beer Bourbon. And a movie. And a movie.